say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Kick the tires and light the fires, big day. It's the 315. Hardy faking feeds the great Jameson. He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome in on this Friday. Getting you ready for the weekend. Actually, I have a show today. That was in the balance until uh, the game happened yesterday. We could be uh, listening to ACC Women's Basketball Tournament quarterfinal action right now. But, oh, boy. Uh, No, they got smoked yesterday by 25 against NC State. So the women sit and wait for the next week and a half for... Maybe all the selection show and beyond. They are on the uh, as much of the bubble as one could be right now. Currently, Charlie Cream's last team out. They went last team in, the last team out uh, yesterday. We'll hit that a little bit over the course of the show. Talk a little lacrosse. Give us a Duke this weekend. That's on Sunday in the Dome at 4 o'clock. Paul Carcaterra was in the Dome last weekend for Houston, Carolina. He'll join us coming up. At 2.30 today, get Kark's thoughts on the opening month of the Orange Lacrosse season, of the lacrosse season in general, as we've now flipped the page to March. We used to have to flip the page to March to start the season. Now we flip the page to March. It's game six on Sunday. My goodness, life doesn't wait anymore when it comes to uh, hashtag spring sport. And uh, obviously we'll get into a lot of Q's hoops over the course of the ball game uh, today. Of the ball game, we'll get into Q soups about the ball game. Will it be about the ball game? I don't know. We talk a lot of Q soups, and we rarely actually talk about the ball games anymore. They're playing Wake Forest tomorrow, and uh, what is um, a potential must-win situation to not play Louisville on Tuesday? Because who wants to do that? Who wants to do that? If they aren't win the game tomorrow, they'll be in that eight-nine game at noon on Wednesday. Noon on Wednesday, and uh, if they lose tomorrow, and BC beats Georgia Tech. Uh, tomorrow than Syracuse uh, would be playing at 4.30 in the afternoon on Tuesday. That's prime time, right? Drive time hoops. So we'll see how that all plays out. We'll see how that all plays out. But, uh, you know, as of uh, right this very second, the Orange are in that 8-9 game, and we shall see how the rest of this week uh, plays out. And uh, Mario will be by at 3 o'clock, as he is every Friday. We'll talk to Mario Sacco. The six-pack, hot last week. Five and one. Man who sort of knows has some picks coming up. Uh, some to act on as soon as this evening. So listen to that uh, later in the show. But uh, right now, just before we do anything, th- this uh, we, just to test out the phone lines here, this is not to call in and chat with me, though that is always welcome at 315-437-7644. Uh, Paulie, uh, Paulie has just been, he's been so mad. So mad for the last week, month. I don't know. It's been a minute. There's been, there's a lot of anger going on in this chair from the, the noon to two hour. Paulie's got two tickets to the game tomorrow. Paulie forgot to give out his tickets. Paulie forgot to give out his tickets to the game uh, tomorrow. So stay tuned. We're going to give them away uh, sooner than later because Paulie forgot to give out his tickets uh, to the game tomorrow, and we can't let Paulie have extras. He'll be scalping them outside. They'll forget to do the pregame show. It'll be a whole thing. It'll be a whole thing. So I, I gave away tickets earlier in the week. I gave away my tickets earlier in the week because I, I thought we might not have a show today. 
And then, man, like I had to like prep and stuff. Oh, I had to do like working things. Man, they don't tell you you got to do that when you take one of these gigs. But we're back at the saddle up for the show today. Mostly hoops will hit a little uh, lax over the course of uh, the afternoon. Uh, Vito has been uh, asking the question about the whole rest of the uh, league, how they've done against the top three teams in the league since the Orange have joined the ACC. We will answer that question later in the show. See, this is what happened when I didn't have a, a show yesterday. Like there was just there was just so many so much time to get things done. There was there was so many things that I've been meaning to get done that uh, yesterday I had time to do. We got to do a little research project, so we'll go down a rabbit hole on that later. Um, you, I hope you'll be enjoying potentially some new bump music to the show today. We we reorganized that whole operation. Like man, if we could just take two or three of these shows off every week, like the remaining shows would be top notch because we get a lot of stuff done. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we tried to put our, our free hours to uh, good use yesterday while the uh, Women's Hoops game was on the air. So Women's Hoops is waiting. They are on the bubble. We talked to Charlie Cream on this show uh, two days ago, the ESPN Women's Bracketologist. When we talked to him then, Syracuse was the last team in. So the three scenarios were such for the Orange. Uh, lose to NC State, beat NC State, lose to Notre Dame, win two games. Those are the three scenarios we presented to Charlie on Friday in reverse order. Uh, you know, win them both, you're go- you're golden. Win one, lose the second, you're, you're probably in good shape. Or uh, lose to NC State and wait and see. But the Orange created a fourth scenario yesterday that I did not see coming. I thought yesterday was going to be close. Regardless. It was not. The Orange got absolutely smoked. Absolutely smoked by NC State in the 8-9 game. They lost by 25, and on top of it, they lost by 25 to a team that was playing without their leading scorer. Uh, Diamond Johnson missed the game injured for NC State. So you got absolutely crushed in the game, and you got crushed against a team that wasn't playing with their best. And again, is the is that a scenario that comes up in the committee? Is that an official terms you decide the tournament by? No, but it's a bad last taste to leave in the mouth of the selection committee, and that's what uh, was done yesterday by the Orange women's basketball team. So we'll see how much that affects it, if they make it, if they don't. Uh, certainly we'll be playing postseason games regardless with the uh, WNIT, but we'll, we'll figure that out going forward. We'll figure that out uh, going forward. It, it used to be Selection Monday. I kind of liked how the women used to have their own day and it was their own thing. Now that the women's field has expanded to 68 and you have the playing games, you can't. You have a little less wiggle room, so doing it all on a Sunday night. They do the men's brackets, and then a little while later they'll get to the women's brackets. So a big old selection Sunday, both the men and the women coming up a week from Sunday. And I know this, like if you're Felicia Leggett Jack and the team, like you got to watch the show now. Are they in? Are they out? I don't know. Which brackets are you sticking a playing game type team? Because if the Orange make it, that's what they'll be. They'll be like a 12 seed playing game, last team in scenario. So like if they make it, that's a quick turnaround. You're going, and the Orange men have done that before. And you don't know where you're going, the way the women do it. They don't send you to Dayton. They send you to the site where if you win, you'd be playing at next. So we'll find out. Or it could be a quick turnaround, even quicker turnaround to a rando WNIT game like in the Dome on uh, Tuesday night. But we'll see. You know, it's been uh, for the most part a successful first season, but could be a bit of a downer of an end depending on how uh, the next uh, little bit goes uh, for Orange women's basketball. 
As far as, you know, the men's bracketology in the ACC goes out, we had Lenardi on whatever it was a week and a half ago now, uh, two weeks ago now. And Carolina's sitting in the last four out and Clemson's sitting in the next four out. So the ACC situation as a conf- conference remains uh, very perilous with some of these teams. Clemson's still a top four team in the league by record in the league and right now not going to make the tournament. So there's some there's some big scenarios coming up in the ACC tournament in the upcoming week that uh, you look at a team like Clemson whose record is gaudy enough, but bad losses and their numbers do not profile as an ACC tournament team. So we have a team that is a game out of first place in the league that might have to win the ACC tournament. It's going to set up a wild week next week in Greensboro. Wild week uh, next week in in Greensboro. And, you know, what What do we make of all of it? I, I don't know. And then all the other stuff that we've been talking about. Oh, yeah, that's the basketball side. We don't do that anymore. We got we got to start. Yeah, we got to start where we always start, and that's with Jim Beheim. And uh, what what a way for the final Jim Beheim show uh, to end this year. Final, pardon me, the final Jim Beheim show of this season to end this year, or the final Jim Beheim show to end this year. I don't know. But Gomez was on QSportsTalk.com last night, and as as only Gomez could, he. He wrapped up the proceedings last evening. All right, everybody, thanks again. KeySportsTalk.com. See you back here next year, right, Coach? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, see you. Thanks. Uh, yeah, let's read into it. Um, that was um, that was very Gomez and very Jim Beheim all at the same time. It was great theater. Jim was, was busy texting or tapping away something on his phone. Gomez had a... Had, the bleepiest eating grin that one could have on his face at that point. And uh, uh, Jim's answer was not at all dripping in sarcasm, but yeah, let, let it continue. But it brings us to tomorrow. Now we mentioned this the other day and I'm curious to hear your thoughts at three one five four three seven seventy six forty four in a little bit. Like does the fact that this might be Jim Beheim's last game in the dome, are you more likely to attend the game now? Like, pick up tickets at last minute. I know there's a lot of other stuff going on. Jerry and Hack, and we've known that for a long time, and the game has some meaning. But specifically, like, if you're a longtime Q's fan that, you know, used to go to games and don't as much anymore, we've talked about all the reasons over the recent weeks of why people uh, don't go to as many games in person every more, anymore, which is odd court related and not. Like, are you more, are you more interested in going to the game tomorrow because... You might see history, and then I guess probably find out later that you did. Like, you won't know you're watching it as it happens. And it may not be, but are you interested in being in one of those seats to see some history? Maybe. It's odd. Like, you know, you go to games, and you never know what could happen in a game. Anything can happen at a sporting event when you go. You can see world records. You can see school records. You can see something you've never seen before, like literally any sporting event you go to. But a situation like this, you won't even know when it's happened. You might find out like a month from now. Oh, yeah, it was at Jim Beheim's last dome game. Huh, how about that? Like, are you more interested in going to a game like that? I, I do wonder if that is striking the chord of anyone in the community. We've talked so much about the Jim Beheim aspect of everything for the last few weeks. Basically, I mean, it's gone back in one way or another. It's gone back uh, to the Boston College game on the road when... Jim had that interview with Pete Thamble and the article comes out and things blow up and this happens and then that happens. And now this losing streak has happened. It's like 8 million things have happened and they don't stop. But they all tie back to the one central idea of is this it 
for a Hall of Fame coach or not. And I'm not even asking the question of should it be it. That's a separate question. Whether it should be, shouldn't be, is going to be, is not going to be. It might be tomorrow. It might be tomorrow. Like, does that make you? Like, if you're somebody that's gone, you know, you go to a handful of games every year, you used to be a season ticket holder, or, you know, whatever. Like, this season hasn't been great, and you're like, eh, I was going to get rid of my tickets tomorrow. I am a season ticket holder, but this just, you know, I just don't want to, yeah, I'm done with it this year. Like, does this, does this change your mind uh, about tomorrow? Because it has that potential, maybe, in hindsight, goodbye aspect to it. Because we all know, not, like, that's none of it's going to happen tomorrow. Like, even if Jim's retiring after this season, you're not going to know tomorrow in the building that that's what's happening. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious as to if that's going to affect people's uh, thoughts and ideas and a way they're going to um, approach the week, approach the weekend. Think about this game. You know, get into the idea of attending this game or not. I do know this. It will be John Bola Jock's last game. In the dome, he has announced uh, he is entering the portal and heading off. Uh, John Bowl, we like John. Roll with Bowl, hashtag Roll with Bowl. He is. Uh, you talk about all the things on this team and oh, where's the attitude? What's going wrong? Like none of the things going wrong are him. Just say what he want about his basketball ability or whatever. But uh, the dude has brought a constant presence of positivity on uh, the sideline, on the bench, and in cheering with energy. He's graduated from Syracuse already. Uh, because of a uh, previous red shirt and uh, the COVID year, he has two years remaining. He's already started working on a grad degree. I believe it was in the Whitman School of Business and, and Management. And, you know, he'll end up somewhere else. He says he wants to go play more. Yeah, he's hardly played at all in his college career this year. But, you know, why not? Heck, if you're him, you go find a place, any place that's got a decent program and what you want to do. Place you're going to be able to get on the court at a lower level and play some hoops. What? Go get your grad degree for free. Go do it. Like setting aside NIL and all this other stuff, all the other stuff we talk about that you know matters and actually succeeding in uh, college basketball these days. NIL and portal and this. Here's John. He's got a chance to set up his future for at minimum free. Maybe get paid or at least get some free school out of it. Go a place you can play. Like, yeah, go get it. Go get it, John. Like, uh, t- wish the best to you. So, like, he'll be one of the people involved in the senior at the game tomorrow, him and Gerard and uh, Jesse Edwards and Samir Torrance. And now we finally know the future of, at least sort of, of one. One down, 11 to go of what's going to happen next year. Because, again, all everybody on the roster has more eligibility to play college basketball if they'd uh, like it. All right, let's uh, go to the phones. Uh, Rob is with us in the Mohawk Valley. Rob, welcome in. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, next, about a few months back, I bought my son tickets for his birthday for tomorrow's game. We're going to the game tomorrow. And, you know, up until the last four games uh, that I've watched, I wouldn't have thought that this possibly could be Jim's last game. Um, you know, it might be now. I don't think he's going to get fired, but we're at the whim of him uh, retiring. That's what I think. Yeah, you know, I I agree with that thought, Rob. And it hadn't really, I mean, it it occurred to me, but I'd agreed with your thought process. Uh, All right, that's that's it for Rob. Uh, That uh, nothing had changed here over the last season until the last four games. But the vibe is different. And, you know, I don't think Jim is going to, he's not making a 50-year decision based on a couple of weeks. But it all factors in. It all factors in. 
and we'll see how it goes. All right, here's what we're going to do. This is our Paulie forgot to give away his tickets ticket giveaway. Well, uh, there's two jerseys uh, being retired this weekend. There's Hakeem Warwick. He wore number one. Jerry McNamara won number three. Wore number three. So um, we could do a lot of different math to arrive at a lot of different caller numbers to give this away. Uh, we could add them. We could average them. We could pick one or the other. It's really leaving us with any possible numbers between one and four. We're going to add them together because the power of Hack and Jerry together uh, should get you tickets for this weekend. Caller number four right now at 315-437-7644 for ESPN 44. Caller four. Tickets for tomorrow. Call now. 315-437-7644. Back after this, it's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 at 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. All across central New York, it's the 315 with Brian Higgins. Yes, it is. And uh, here we are rolling along throughout our Friday afternoon together in the Q's. Getting you ready for Q's and Wake Forest tomorrow. And more than that, all the uh, all the hoopla around it. 2003 national title team back in town. I guess Jim Bayham said last night Craig Forth has other obligations and uh, can't make it this weekend. That's too bad. Besides Jerry, literally um, uh, living here, I think Craig's probably the out of that group, the one that lives the closest to here now, maybe. Or is Edelin still around? Don't have a bead on everybody's uh, current address, but the fourth is back in the capital region. I believe he's currently a junior high principal. Don't trifle with a seven-footer, you 13-year-old hooligans. Anyway, all that part of the weekend, that, the... Game watch thing tonight, the Jersey retirement tomorrow, the heck and Jerry. Is it Bayheim's last game of the Dome? Maybe yes, maybe no. Does anyone know the answer to that question right now? I'm going to go no. I'm going to go that nobody knows the answer to that question yet, a.k.a. that Jim probably has not made up his mind yet if he's retiring or not. And how could anybody else possibly know the answer yet? Because, you know, those things happen after the season. So, you know, if you go to the game tomorrow, you're out of game. Well, that could be the end of something. But you're not going to know. You're not going to know. That uh, will be interesting. We'll be talking lax with Paul Carcaterra coming up in uh, seven, eight minutes or or so. Like That's a great question right now. Does anybody on planet Earth know if this is Jim Beheim's last game in the Carrier Dome? Well, the JMA Dome. The whatever. It's Beheim. We should probably just call it the Carrier Dome, right? <laughs> you know, after uh, 48 whatever years, old habits die hard, huh? Uh, does Jim know? Does Julie know? Does uh, John Wildheck know? Does Kent Siverud know? Does any? Does pick a board of trustees know? Does anybody know anything? I don't know, man. Like it's very possible that this is a question that literally nobody actually knows the answer to right now. Like if I flipped a coin, would it know? I don't know. Like, there's a game tomorrow. Awake Forest is here. Yeah, they got the guy is the leading scorer in the league, leading assist guy in the league. Yeah, great, great, good, good. Syracuse uh, needs to win to definitely avoid playing in the first day of the tournament and potentially have this season, you know, end with a, a crap loss to, to Louisville. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great. Yeah, whatever. 
Is it Jim Beheim's last game inside the dome? Is it? Or is it not? Is it? Is it not? Like, that is the question. That is the question. And, and that is something that feels like it is going to present itself this weekend in, a, in an interesting way. Because, like, you're going to watch that game and and this ceremony after the game. Like, obviously, Jim will be involved in some way. You know, they're honoring Jerry and Hank. Like, Bayham will be on the court. Like, he'll be involved in it some way. Like, what? what is this? Is this thing going to look like? Regardless of win or loss or get smoked or not. I don't know. I don't know. The whole thing is... The whole thing is odd. Like, and this is a situation that literally... Like, has anyone ever dealt with this before? Like, Syracuse fans dealt with this before? No. Like, we... We weren't legitimately having these conversations last year. I know some people thought it would be his last year, but these were not conversations that were being had by large going into, you know, whatever the last home game was last year. Uh, off the top, whatever it was. It doesn't matter. Off the top of my head, I don't remember. It doesn't stand out because it wasn't. Nobody was nobody was talking about that when Roy Danforth was left for Tulane. Like, oh, is this Roy's last game at Manly? No. Like, nobody was wondering if... Oh, what, what a Fred Lewis. Like, no, this this has literally never happened before. So we are breaking new ground uh, for tomorrow. Right now, though, we are going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we will talk a little axe. We will do so with a Syracuse alum and ESPN lacrosse analyst Paul Carcaterra. We'll talk lax, but you know what? I have even told Carc this. It's required now. If you are, If you're involved in Syracuse in any way, you will be asked about Jim Beheim. So we'll ask Kark about Jim Beheim, uh, too. And then we'll, you know, talk lax. Uh, the men take on uh, Duke this weekend. Just lost to Carolina. Kark had that game, so we'll get into all that uh, when we come back. Paul Karkatera on the other side after this on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> All across CNY, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Every time you come around, you know I can't say. All right, rolling along here. New bump music day on the show. See, like, no show yesterday. We got all sorts of things accomplished. All sorts of things accomplished around and about uh, the office yesterday with the women's soup son. Unfortunately, getting creamed by NC State. But regardless of the uh, creaming, we got a lot accomplished. Got a lot of comments. Anyway, back at it here on the program here on the Friday. If you'd like to uh, join in, 315-437-7644. The, the question I had earlier today was, you know, tomorrow might be Jim Beheim's last game in the Dome. Maybe. That influencing anybody's decision out there whether to attend or not. Intrigued on uh, your thoughts on that. But right now, uh, Vito's question uh, persistently throughout the week involving uh, Syracuse versus the big three in the league. And everyone else versus the big three in the league. Well, the other thing I did yesterday when not doing the show was copious amounts of research. And, man, tiny little print and lots of little counting. There was there was a lot going on. Uh, but it has uh, led us uh, to this. Once again, Brian goes down a rabbit hole. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. No time to say hello. Goodbye. I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. This time, I'll just go into the bushes over there and 
make a lot of noise and flush out a rabbit. Hello? Hello? It's me, Miss Rabbit! Help! Curiosity often leads to trouble! So down the rabbit hole we headed. 15 teams in the ACC. Three of them are Duke, Carolina, and Virginia. 12 of them are not. Duke, Carolina, and Virginia over the last decade have been very good. Duke and Carolina, obviously, for much longer uh, than that. Uh, Really, before Syracuse joined the league, Virginia would have just fit in the category with everybody else. But we looked up since Syracuse joined the league. This is year 10 of the head. One whole decade. Here's how everybody in the ACC is done against those three teams. Syracuse is 10 and 37 over that time period. Not good. 10 and 37 is not good against anybody. But here's what everyone is. Would you care to guess who has the most wins against those three teams over the last decade? If you said Virginia Tech, you'd be correct. Also, if you said Virginia Tech, I'd kind of wonder how you came up with that. Like Virginia Tech? Virginia Tech is 16 and 32. Against Duke, Carolina, and Virginia over the course of the last decade, 16 and 32. That is the most wins that anyone has had. The best anyone has done, 16 and 32. The best percentage wise anyone has done is Miami. They're 15 and 27. So 16 and 32 and 15 and 27 are the most wins and the best percentage. Both of those stink. Notre Dame, 13 and 35. NC State, 12 and 35. Florida State, 12 and 27. Louisville, 11 and 34. Pittsburgh, 11 and 24. They must have just keep not playing any of those teams in the postseason. Cuse, 10 and 37. Clemson, 8 and 28. Wake, 8 and 36. And sorry to BC, the Eagles are 3 and 34 over the last decade. One win each against Duke, Carolina, and Virginia. So while 10 and 37 is not good, Everyone in the league stinks against those three teams. Everybody. All 12 teams stink against those three teams. So I think the real takeaway of this, when we say, okay, Syracuse has slipped off in the regular season in the last decade. But you got to compare it to the rest of the league. So they've slipped off, but they haven't really slipped off comparatively. Say, okay, well, Virginia Tech's got more. Yeah, it averages out to about half a win a year. That's not... A major difference. So where is the slippage coming? It's the other games. It must be, right? That's the only way the math can work. Yeah, you've stunk against those teams, but why are you winning fewer regular season games? It's because you're not winning as many of the other games. You're playing more conference games, playing more hard games, right? It's harder to win more games, it feels like. feels like, we look at this, yeah, nobody has beat the top teams. And I get it, this year, like the ACC is the numbers and whatever, but the ACC has been a perfectly fine, representative, strong league over the last decade. Over the last decade, they've still been the best conference in the country. So what Syracuse hasn't done enough in the last 10 years is beat everybody else. Yeah, you would, even if you'd won five more games against those three teams, that still doesn't make up the difference of what we're talking about. It means Syracuse hasn't beat everyone else. Now, Admittedly, when the Orange joined the league, I think we all thought Syracuse would be one of those teams. And then the first year in the league, the Orange are 25-0. You say, ha-ha! We told you, Big East. No, we were wrong. We were all wrong about that. Virginia has been the only team in the last decade to climb out of that hole against Duke and Carolina. Because the fact that it is three teams is a change. 
It was always Duke and Carolina, and always, you know, it was always Carolina. When Coach K docked to Duke, it's been Duke and Carolina for 40 years. The Virginia thing is what's different. I mean, Virginia had its moments in the early 80s, and uh, their coach then, Terry Holland, passed away earlier this week. So really, looking at all of these numbers, all of these numbers, the main thing that stands out is Virginia. Like, whoa! Virginia is doing something that nobody else has been able to accomplish. Honestly, I did all that, and I step back, and I look at it, and I look at all these numbers, and I'm like, well... 16 and 32, 10 and 37, whatever. Like, is 16 and 32 better than 10 and 37? Yeah, it's five games better. Is it really that big a difference? No. The big difference is Virginia. Virginia is 5 and 8 against Duke, which is okay. They're 11 and 6 against North Carolina. That's the, if you look at all of these matchups of all of these teams in the entire league over the last decade since Syracuse and Pittsburgh joined, and then Louisville came a year later, the biggest difference in what has changed other than Syracuse having to play all these teams, that what has changed in the power balance of the league is that Virginia is the only team that is consistently punched up against Carolina and Duke. And as Syracuse fans, I think that's where it hit us, is when Syracuse joined the league, you're coming off 2010, number one in the country. 2012. Number one in the country in a one seed. One seed in 10, one seed in 12. 2014 ended up, I think it was a three seed. Is that what it was? Three seed, I think. But you were 25 and 0. So in three of the five years, well, three of the six years, add in the year after that, the last year of the Big East to make the Final Four. So three of the last six years before joining the ACC, you had a number one, a number one, a number one, and a Final Four. And then you said, okay, and let's be honest. Anyone really thinks Syracuse was going to be the equal of Duke and Carolina? You know, I think if you you drank the truth serum, nobody would have actually thought that. Because who has been? The part that stinks, though, is Virginia's been like, yeah, us, here we are. And then Syracuse has slid back. Not better or worse than anyone else. They're just in the pack with the rest of the league. With the difference being, okay, you can't beat them, that Syracuse has not beat everybody else consistently enough to be the tournament team every year that they once were. Which, you know, it's the difference between the Big East and the ACC, which is apparently wider than we thought or affected Syracuse uh, differently than we hoped. But honestly, my main takeaway of all of those numbers, my main takeaway of all of those numbers, and I I probably might have come to this conclusion anyway, and, you know, you can think about Jay Wright, I suppose, of this, or, you know, K or whatever. Like, looking at all those numbers, like, t- Tony Bennett's been the best coach in the country in the last decade, hasn't he? <laughs> like, that's the main takeaway, that Tony Bennett has been the best coach in the country for the last decade. I don't know if I can come to any other conclusion off those numbers than that, because historically, to punch up against Duke and Carolina and equal or better them for a decade, like, against North Carolina... For a decade, Virginia went eleven and six, and played Duke reasonably even five and eight. Like you're above five hundred for a decade against Duke and Carolina, and you're the only team that could say that. And nobody else is even close. Man, like I do it all those numbers, and I just came away uh, begrudging respect for that Tony Bennett.
<laughs> I did all that, trying to come up with something that might pertain to Syracuse, and it's just, man, Virginia's really good, huh? And that's Tony Bennett. Because that that among that's like the one thing that has changed. Virginia was not punching up with them. And then they did. Everybody else, they without looking it up, because my goodness. Like I tell you, the font size on some of this stuff, very small. There was a lot of leaning in, squinting. There was a lot of stuff. But without looking it all up, like I'm going to guess that numbers like that would be similar in the ACC going back a real long time. Like, there would have been times, obviously, Maryland was in the league. Maryland had its moments. You know, Virginia back in the early 80s had its moments. NC State every now and again popped up. But, like, over decades like that, you know, go back to, I don't know when you'd start the clock. K got there in, what, 82? So start the clock in uh, maybe 85, 86, when the NCAA tournament expanded to 64. Might be a good spot, 85, to do that which is when Duke started getting good. So essentially, since Duke got good, Carolina was basically good essentially all that time, save for the uh, Matt Doherty experience. I think nobody has been able to punch up with those two except Virginia. So to say that Syracuse has not punched up with them and Virginia is disappointing, but nobody else has. But I don't think that's the root of the issue with Syracuse right now. The root of the issue is that Syracuse has not won enough games against the teams not named North Carolina, Duke, and Virginia. The other takeaway is, my goodness, the Arch played a lot of games against them. Syracuse has the most games played of anyone in the league over that time span against those three teams. Well, I guess Virginia Tech has one more. And Virginia Tech plays Virginia twice every year. The Arch have played a ton of games against those two teams, three teams. Why? Well, they've played all three of them in the NCAA tournament. They played Carolina in that Final Four. They played Duke in the NCAA tournament. Played Virginia, obviously, in the uh, in the Elite Eight that year. They played all of them at least once in the ACC tournament. Syracuse has run into these guys a lot. <laughs> a lot. But really, like the problem that the Orange have run into here of late is that they've lost games like they lost this week to Georgia Tech. That Wake Forest is coming to the Dome tomorrow, and it's not a gimme. Like, it's games like that. I think if we really went in and, you know, really went game by game of Syracuse in the ACC, if we really dove down at all of it, what you're going to find out, you're going to go back and say there's been too many games that Syracuse lost that the Syracuse in our mind's eye would not have lost. And it's not those games. Yeah, we would have loved to have seen more wins over those three. Of course. Of course. But go back to the end of the Big East. Like, Syracuse lost plenty to Connecticut. Syracuse, like, the last year, they got thumped by Georgetown a few times. Like, they lost to top teams, but they won more of the games against everybody else. And that's just not what's happened here in the last few years. And here we go. Tomorrow. Dome. Wake Forest. Who, like, Wake Forest might be called. Might as well just be called. They're everybody else. Like, what is Wake? They're just, they're the most everything else that you could be in the ACC. No postseason experience, a success to speak on of any recent vintage. Nothing to hang your hat on. But here's a game. It's for seeding in the ACC tournament tomorrow. It's for potentially to play again in the very next game on Wednesday. And unfortunately, for Syracuse, we talk about where you are in the hierarchy. This is a big game in the standings. 
Syracuse and Duke. Syracuse and Virginia, not a big game of the standings this year, the way it shake out as far as picking spots. Syracuse and Wake, this is where the Orange are in the standings right now. It's not where we want them to be, but it's it's where it is. It's where it is. And it might be, and I still say this. Like, let's not forget this tomorrow when we're all watching the game, listening to the game, consuming it however we want to. Axel, pregame for you. I'll be here with Devo after the game uh, for postgame right around 7 o'clock tomorrow. That it might be Jim Beheim's final game in the Dome. It may just be. I think that's just something we should all, you know, let's mentally tuck that away when we're watching it tomorrow. Just tuck that away. Let's just tuck that away a little bit because we might need to pull that out in a week or two or not or not. We shall see, but it is definitely something that's going to be in my mind tomorrow in a way, quite literally, it has never been before. With that, we break in this hour brought to you by William Attar. Hurt in a car. Call William Attar at 444-4444. Final wrap. What's on tap? All that good stuff as we wrap up the week after this. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.